Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Greetings, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host. Today, we are talking to Christian Williams from Archery Strong. This is a really cool episode because I know that there's a lot of hunters and archery enthusiasts that listen and that follow along with what we're doing at Nomad Strength. So you are going to get a ton of great information from him about how to train properly for archery, the things to look out for, the things to start with, and some maybe common mistakes that people make when they're working on on how to develop shoulder strength. He's got a ton of great information and a ton of great uh, content that he does over at Archery Strong. So go follow him over there. Before we get into the episode, uh, if you haven't yet already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Wherever it is that you listen to your shows, it really helps to grow the show and for us to be heard by more ears and to grow this thing, uh, as the as the kids say, to the moon. So if you haven't done that yet, please do it. Give me five stars. Uh, even if you don't necessarily deserve the five stars, you can go ahead and give them five stars anyways. And then you can unsubscribe and then resubscribe and then do that a few more times and kind of game the system. So that would be great. Uh, so without further ado, here is the episode with Christian. Hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll talk to you later. All right, y'all. Welcome to Nomad Strength Show. This is Ross Hillier. I am pretty pumped today because uh, our guest, Mr. Christian Williams of Archery Strong, Instagram page Archery Strong, is joining us today, and uh, he's a he's a page that. I have followed kind of from the shadows for mm -hmm. a very long time before I even sent him a message or anything like that. Uh, because archery is one of those things that I am so green and new to relative to my experience, uh, that I just wanted to observe as much as possible. And so it was really, it's cool to have him here today to, Learn me some things, I guess we could say. Uh, so, Christian, thanks for joining us, man. I'm pumped to have you. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ross. I'm excited to be here. I uh, always enjoy making new connections, and and similarly, um, I would say my my perspective has been kind of like yours in the sense that I don't know I don't know when I started following you or or why or you know if I had saw something, but um, I've been following you for a while, and it was primarily because a lot of the things you do align with what I like to do in my own training and, and even my own, um, thoughts and, and, uh, beliefs, not, you know, even outside of archery, outside of fitness. Um, there's been a lot of cool things that I've seen you do. And, and, uh, yeah, I've just been kind of intrigued about the, the way you live your life and, and the things that you do. And, and I think that we align there. So I've been looking forward to talking with you and meeting you and, and getting this conversation going. Yeah, man. It's kind of crazy that even though over this vast ocean of internet, <laughs> you can connect with people without talking to them and like your, your energies and your, the things you're similarly interested in, you can just kind of somehow find each other over the internet, like without yeah. any other previous connections. It's just crazy how that seems to work out. So um, <laughs> I'm excited too. Uh, so why don't you give everybody kind of a little background on you and Archery Strong and kind of what you're doing and how it became sort of what it is now, like a little background story. Yeah, um, man, there's, there's, there's so many parts to this. Uh, it, it's been a fun journey. But essentially, to give it an overlay to those that um, may not follow or may not have seen any of my stuff, um, I have a company called Archery Strong, and my primary focus is to work with archers on a physical level. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I don't have anything to do with equipment or gear with archery. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an archery coach. I focus on the physical capabilities, the biomechanics, um, injury prevention, pain relief, and performance of an archer from the perspective of their body. You know, like most sports, like most activities, whether it be golf, baseball, track and field, right? There's a, there's a physical component that, that the body has to perform. And I've taken what I will call a sports injury and sports performance approach to archery. And my background uh, is what has fueled that in that I have done a lot of different coaching in, in the strength and conditioning, uh, fitness, uh, sports injury realm. Um, it all started at, at a young age. I got into fitness, got into weightlifting, you know, like a lot of young guys do, they get excited about how their bodies change and what their bodies can do. Um, and it led me to uh, get a degree in exercise physiology. And uh, with that, my first well, I should say while I was getting that degree, I was also heavily involved in CrossFit, um, competing in CrossFit and coaching CrossFit for a handful of years. From there, I moved into uh, coaching Olympic style weightlifting, uh, Olympic weightlifted myself, uh, did some strength and conditioning coaching. And around that same time, I was also working uh, full time at a sports injury office. And that was the big experience that equipped me and led me to doing this in Archery Strong. My time in the sports injury office uh, was focused entirely on assessing movement and assessing function of the body and then correcting any dysfunctions or um, faulty movement patterns, faulty positions of the body 
through the use of what's called corrective exercises. So the comparison I often make is just like a mechanic will take a look at your car, figure out what's going wrong, and then he'll fix the issue. I would take a look at the body, assess the movement, assess the function, figure out what's going wrong, and then fix the issue. Um, and I did that with everybody under the sun, um, your general population, your, old, your, your um, elderly population, youth, um, athletes of, of all kinds, soccer players, baseball players, et cetera, a lot of CrossFit athletes, your occasional archer. Um, but it was, it was basically four years of just day in, day out, seeing how the body moves, how shoulders move, in particular is my focus with archery strong, uh, and then seeing how I can correct that shoulder based on what that individual needs. So, um, over those handful of years between again, the coaching and then the, uh, movement and corrective, corrective exercise work, um, all those tools were, were being molded and, and, um, were, were growing, uh, within me. And I just hadn't, I started to think about, um, you know, what I wanted to do with this. And, and I have loved archery for a long time. You know, when I was a boy, I had a bow that my dad got me and I shot and, uh, but I really got into it in my teen years. And, um, I just started to, to think about how this could potentially relate to archery. And I just started to, to test some things on myself, work with some other people, um, you know, do my research, continue learning, continuing practicing the trade. And it's, um, led me to start putting out more content and, and offering some training and handful of years now down the road, I'm here where, um, I offer all kinds of different training for again, pain relief, uh, injury prevention, and then performance in archery. And, uh, it's been a fun road that is, is ever changing. That's for sure. That's awesome. So how long has it been since archery strong has really been a thing? Like how long have you been working specifically on this? Uh, full time, completely dedicated to it. It's now it's it's only been a month and a half. <laughs> wow! Um, but I've been doing it part time in the midst of all this different uh, coaching, strength and conditioning work, sports yeah. injury work. Um, I've been doing it for uh, I believe it's two and a half years. Okay. Now. Yeah, awesome. or three years, three years almost. Yeah. I I like to think that I was probably in the first. I want to say, I want to say five to 6,000 followers on yeah. Instagram. I want to say, I want to, I, I want to kind of claim OG status yeah. there. Um, no, but that's awesome. So I wanted to get into a couple of specific things because a, like I said, I'm very new into the archery world myself. So I'm going to ask you questions like things sure. that you know might necessarily help me, but uh, I know sure. that there are probably some really common things that you see. Uh, so that's kind of where I want to start. So you, because you mentioned that obviously with the sport of archery, the shoulder being the part of the body, that's yeah. going to be the most focused. It's uh, the big, it's the big one. So yeah. what are, you know, probably one of the top two or three things that are like the most common <coughs> faults or like positional things that you see that cause people to perform poorly when it comes to archery? Yeah, sure. So, um, like you said, we'll kind of put some more backing to this, this answer. Um, the shoulder is, is by far the, the main thing that I'm working with. Um, there's obviously a lot of moving parts when you think about drawing and shooting a bow, but the shoulder is the big one. It's the powerhouse. It's the, it's the joint where most of your range of motion is coming from. So, uh, with that being said, it's also the, the joint in the area under most demand. So, um, with that being said, um, one of the biggest 
things, and this this uh, relates to fitness and, and a lot of other physical endeavors, but it's just the idea of of progression and being mindful of how much load and volume and intensity you are encountering and, and how you're building into that. You know, just like, you know, Ross, I know when, when you probably get a new client, you're probably determining what this person is able to do, how much they can handle, where they need to be at based on their skill level, based on their strength levels, et cetera. Um, and a, a lot of the issues just come from people either diving into it too quickly, um, shooting a heavy poundage that they haven't built up for or prepared for, um, increasing arrow volume beyond what they should be shooting. Just all these things related to uh, either doing too much too soon or doing too much when it's not appropriate. So just being mindful and, and realizing that there, there is importance and there is detail behind, hey, how much am I actually shooting? Uh, how often am I shooting? What poundage am I shooting? How am I feeling after I'm shooting? You know, all these different things are, are indicators in, in telling us how that body is adapting to the work and how that body is, is handling the work. Um, so that's one big one. The, the, uh, another big one is abiding by the, the general standards of mechanics and archery as far as how we want to have a solid bow shoulder, how we want to uh, engage the shoulder blade as we draw, abiding by the general mechanics and, and making sure that the foundational points are there. And I can touch on those a little bit uh, too, um, but also being mindful of the variations that we see from shoulder to shoulder. Uh, and what I mean by this is, is I, I've seen it, I've seen it probably thousands of times at this point, and I'm sure you've seen it a lot. Um, in those listening, you know, if you, if you go to a gym and you look around, uh, one good example is if you take a look around and through, through your coaching experience, Ross and mine, uh, think about somebody going overhead with an overhead movement, right? Whether that be a strict press or some sort of push press or a jerk, um, what you will, sorry, I just had a call come in there. We all good. Yep. Good. Cool. Um, so what you will see there from individual to individual is you'll see a little bit of a difference in proficiency and how they can get overhead, right? Some people are a little bit more mobile and flexible in full flexion or going overhead when they're pressing overhead or whatever it is. Some are more stable. Um, some can get into more extreme positions. Some can get into less extreme positions. The reason why I'm bringing that up or making that comparison is it speaks to the differences we see in how one person's shoulder function will well, one person's shoulder will function in comparison to another person's shoulder, right? There's differences in flexibility, stability. There can't even be some anatomical differences in just how God created that shoulder. Um, there can be a lot of different things. So with that in mind, <clears throat> when you see different people draw a bow, you're going to see differences there. And what I'm leading to, this is the big point that I was uh, coming to in, in point number two, is that people will try to force themselves uh, into a shoulder position that doesn't work for their shoulder. Um, just like not everybody can snatch, right? Because they can't right. get in that overhead position. They can't, they don't have the thoracic extension, blah, 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 all the fancy terms. Just like not everybody can snatch, but we might be able to get them to press. Right. Same thing with, with drawing and shooting a bow. You know, you're going to see some people with a higher draw. You're going to see some people a little bit lower, some people in between. You're going to see little variances in how it looks. And I, time and time again, week after week, I'm seeing people come to me and 
they, for one reason or another, they watched a video or they heard something or somebody told them something and they forced themselves into a movement pattern or a position that has now caused an issue for their shoulder. <clears throat> and uh, the, the, again, big thing that we have to think about there is we've got to find what works for that person's shoulder, their individual amount of shoulder function, and make sure that we're not forcing them into this corner saying, you have to, to draw this way or your shoulder has to be in this position. Now, that's not an excuse for saying, hey, um, draw and shoot however you want. There are parameters there, just like we have parameters we need to see in what a squat looks like or a deadlift looks like, sure. but there's yeah. going to be a bit of variation there. And that's the, the, the mindset that um, is important to make sure that people aren't forcing themselves into a vulnerable uh, position or movement pattern. Um, so that's, that's a really big one. And then, um, so we said, you know, just the first point having to be with um, too much volume, too much poundage, shooting too much frequency, not being prepared for it, et cetera. Then you um, talk about um, uh, drawing correctly, but making sure that it is correct in, for, for that individual. Um, and the, the last thing um, that I'll describe is, kind of, uh, it's hard to put a label to it, but I'll, I sometimes will call it or refer to it as an internal fault. And what I mean by this, and I think it it's, uh, will resonate with a lot of stuff you do, is <clears throat> to me, when I say internal fault, I'm talking about, okay, I'm, I'm drawing a bow, I'm, I'm doing everything correctly, visibly everything looks correct, or um, hey, I'm even squatting and everything looks correct. Um, everything seems to be good, but we're still having an issue. And what I mean by internal fault is that <clears throat> there's some, some piece deep within that structure that isn't performing and keeping up the way that it needs to. For example, <clears throat> in that draw shoulder, the rotator cuff is working a whole lot, right? As that shoulder pulls and passes through range of motion and rotates. If for some people, they may be drawing fine. They're not doing anything that's a bit of an issue, but that rotator cuff may just not be up to par with the demands of shooting. And we just may need to get a little bit more strength or a little bit more flexibility out of that shoulder on an internal, I like to call it nuts and bolts level. Sure. Uh, it is probably an easy way to think about it. So the nuts and bolts are just not equipped to handle what you're asking them to do. Um, so we are then saying, you know, maybe for the bow shoulder, Hey, bow shoulder strong, it's stable, it's down, it's anchored, it's where it needs to be, but I'm still having an issue. I'm doing all those things right. Again, we go back to that shoulder blade may just not be stable enough. And under fatigue, we start to get some compensation or some vulnerability, and then tissue gets irritated. And then well, we have an issue. It's not that the archer is doing anything wrong. It is that we need to make sure that the archer is equipped to handle what they're doing when they shoot a bow. And that, that comes down to that idea of um, treating the, the archer in their body um, the way that it needs to be treated to be able to handle the demands of archery. And in those situations, I would, I would say from a coaching perspective as well, that actually is very helpful on my end because if they're doing everything, you know, quote unquote, correct, then, then we know it, it's going to pinpoint exactly like what are some of the areas that are just weak? Like you said, yeah. you know, like what, what yeah. can we just, you know, exactly. it's, yeah, it's so. going to tell us like, okay, well, this is, this is exactly what we need to work on. So like you use the term nuts and bolts or internal fault, but that's actually really helpful because if everything by all other metrics, if everything is good, then, and this one thing's lagging, we're like, okay, well, 
that's the one thing we need to work on. I mean, that actually gives us a plan. So, um, sure. Sure. no, that's really cool. And I actually want to go back to, uh, kind of some of the load and the volume piece of yeah. this, because I think that's something that, and, and you probably put it number one, you know, maybe you did it on purpose or maybe it was, uh, maybe it wasn't. But one thing that I've noticed is like, I, when I started, I had no idea, like, how much do I need to shoot? You know, and so, like, and and so I'm sure everybody that has shot archery before, like, goes out one day and be like, oh, "I'll just kind of keep, I'll just keep going." You know, I, I feel good right now. I'll just keep going, and then sure. you don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know at the time, and so right. you you maybe you're a little sore when you're done, and then you wake up the next day, and it's just like going to the gym for the first time. Like, you get out of bed, and the, and you are sore and can't move in places that you didn't right. know existed. So, do you have? sort of either like a baseline or even milestones that you kind of progress people through. And I know you said that like, it's, it's different for every person, but even mm-hmm. as a, like a, like even as a percentage almost, do you have certain things that you want to make sure you achieve with someone before they, they sort of graduate to the next volume category or anything like that, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, the, the biggest thing and most important thing, like you said, is just to reiterate that it is different for every person, just because yeah. there are so many variables, everything from what poundage is that person shooting? Um, is that person doing any sort of physical activity outside of shooting a bow? Um, does that person have any history of injury? All these different things that, that are going to influence that. Um, but to answer your question, <clears throat> the the big thing here is, is progression. We'll use that word, right? And I'm yes. sure you're that, that, you know, we, we need to have, we need to find or identify a baseline that works for that individual. We need to identify the goal, right? So we baseline and identify the goal of, of where they want to be. And then we need to look at how we can progress to get to that goal. And Again, that's going to look for everybody, but that process, that's going to look different for everybody, but that process is based to me, it's based a lot on feedback from the archer. And what I mean by that, getting some of those, um, getting some of those really, or they'd be subjective uh, feelings from the person, you know, how are you feeling? Are you sore? Do you feel weak? Do you feel beat up? Uh, Do you feel tight? Um, Those types of subjective feelings. And then we can determine how fast we want to progress. Do we want to hold off? Do we need to spend more time at a certain volume? Things like that. Um, so a lot of that is based on the feedback you get as you start at a baseline, as you identify a goal, and then you work through that. Now, as far as the baseline goes, uh, I was just talking to somebody the other night. They were looking to get it back into shooting after um, some issues they were having. And um, if we're looking at where you want to start, there's really nothing, no such thing as too conservative. In my opinion, there's no, there's no cost or risk starting too conservatively. You know, for instance, if somebody's going to get back into shooting a bow, three arrows, six arrows today, right? What are you losing by doing that? Because if you feel great, let's double it, you know, Mm -hmm. or you might say, Oh man, I I feel three, six arrows the next day because I'm somebody you know, may not work out, may, may, um, not encounter physical stress much. So that was something they feel. So, Hey, let's, let's just stay at that for a week. Let's stay three to six arrows, three times a week. 
And then we'll, we'll identify, okay, are you sore, stiff, tight? No, I feel pretty good. Okay. Let's, let's add three arrows. Let's go to six or nine arrows. And they say, Hey, I feel good after that. Awesome. Let's go to, let's, let's add three more. Let's go to 12 arrows. Let's add three more. Um, and then you're essentially, you're working to your goal, but they're, you know, as, as much as I would like to give a clear cut and dry, you start there, you build up. Um, it just varies so much, you know, what I can do for my compound when I shoot my compound is very different than, uh, what I shoot for my recurve. I, you know, I, I, in the past I've, I've shot a hundred, hundred arrows a day, six days a week with my compound and can't tell at all. Whereas if I do that with my recurve, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be feeling it a lot more. Um, so Interesting. just different levels there, but Again, to reiterate, find that baseline, progress smoothly and slowly. There's no cost there based on how you're feeling and get to that goal, which is normally some sort of volume or frequency goal. Like, hey, I, I, I want to make it my, my goal to shoot 50 arrows three times a week. And the, the last thing I'll maybe add there is, is it's important to realize, and this is a lesson I'm learning in, in fitness and, and, and working with shoulders, is that progression isn't meant to be endless. Um, mm-hmm. In the sense that I, you know, I, I would be guilty of my own fitness journey where, um, you know, hey, t- today I'm going to do 10 sets of 10 uh, Russian swings and then I'm going to do 11 sets of 10 and I'm going to do 11 mm-hmm. sets of 11 and 12 sets, of, and, you know, and progress. Well, I mean, it sounds funny, but but it would be ludicrous to, to think that that's going to be endless. Right. So right. the same thing applies for for archery where, you know, I've heard of people, you know, saying, Hey, I shot 700 arrows last week. I'm going to go 800. This week. I'm going to go 950. And, and that process isn't, isn't uh, infinite, I guess. There's, there's a point where um, we either reach a, a capacity or volume that we're content with and happy with and serves the goal um, that you might have for shooting. Um, or you may, you may cycle back and you may, um, return back to a point where you're going to shoot a little bit less and have a little bit of a different focus. So a lot of different variables there, but hopefully there's some key points we can take away there. Absolutely. And I think the progression point is so important because, and I think it's more prevalent just because of the social media aspect of things. And in archery, there are a couple of guys that everybody's looking at all the time you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And uh, there's only one Cam Haynes. Yeah. You know, uh, not everyone needs to shoot an 86 pound bow. Yeah. You know, like yeah, that's sure. that is not going to be something that most people are going to get to. And that doesn't mean you're sure. less of an archer capability wise than he is. I mean, that's just he's been doing this for 30 plus years and he's a human freak of nature. I mean, like he is like. He is the anomaly of anomalies when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and it happens and it happens in fitness too. I mean, like we look at, we look at all of, I mean, we look at the rich Fronings and like all of these guys that we start emulating how they train thinking that we're going to turn into them and that you're not, it doesn't matter if you do exactly what rich does every day for a year, you still not going to be rich. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the really important point that it's, and as a coach, I totally understand it where you said it, but it's, it's the most annoying answer in the world as a coach is to just say it depends, but it's, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> not what people want to hear, but 
It, it uh, isn't. It's never what people want to hear. And uh, one of the last episodes we recorded was with Anders Varner from uh, Barbell Shrugged. And he, I mean, he's done the same thing for years. And it's the most annoying answer in the world, but it's the one that people need to hear. It's, well, where are you right now? Where are you trying to go? Like, what what is like you said, your injury history, like we have all of these things that we have to work around and, and not necessarily work around, but, or, or not work through, but work around. It's, yeah. it's figuring out a way to still make you the highest optimal version of what you're capable of, you know, and, and not go so far down the intensity and the volume of stuff that now we're actually going backwards. Yeah. Right. Because that's, I mean, that's how pe- most people I would imagine that are, coming to you with archery things are because they did the overload thing and hurt themselves. And now they're like, okay, I need to do this right this time. Right. Uh, and now I'm coming to you. Right. Right. So, um, so I'm looking at your, your little, and this isn't a video version of this podcast yet anyway. Right. So nobody else is going to see this, but I'm looking at your wall yeah. and you've got like your bows and, uh, I've seen you post the videos of these little ring things that you've been oh, doing yeah. stuff with that are hanging up on the wall. Uh, and I really want to know what they are and what they do. Can you give me some info on what they are? Heck yeah. They're, uh, they're, well, they, it is called the, it, Ax- yeah. it's called the Axio. Axio. And I, ha- I always start with this disclaimer and I think you're, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're relatively similar in that I really like, I really like the the old school foundational staple type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like the push-up. There's nothing wrong with the push-up. It's mm-hmm. still as awesome as it was when the first person discovered it was a good strength exercise. So I'm very much in that mindset. You know, you may have seen and or other people may have seen that I'm primarily training with, you know, uh, pull a bar, some stones, some dumbbells, barbell, um, you know, sledgehammer, stuff like that. Yep. Um, now, with that being said, this this tool is a little bit different that you're seeing behind me. Um, the people listening will have to research it or look it up. It's called the Axio or it's axiotraining.com. Um, okay. A gentleman by the name of Ted Bessemer um, working out at West, I think he's in Utah, um, but basically developed it. And it is potentially the most unique comprehensive tool I have found for rotator cuff conditioning, mm. uh, roll, stamina, um, uh, strength, and, and rhythm with that shoulder. And this all makes sense when, when people take a look at it. Um, that I have found it's, it's a very unique tool. And again, I'm, I'm somebody who primarily uses the basics, bands, cables, dumbbells, sure. body weight, shoulder work. But when, once you see this tool tool working and once you get past the idea that it's a little bit different, um, and once you use it too, you really, you realize how, um, again, comprehensive it is in the way that you have to recruit the shoulder, the rotator cuff and the musculature all throughout that shoulder girdle to get this ball moving in, in a circle. It looks like a small wheel and the a weighted ball moves in a circle. You have to get it moving, keep it moving, and you have to do so by producing the right amount of force, which is the key. Mm. Um, it's, it, people are shocked how difficult it is to keep this ball moving because it's not, uh, 
you know, it's, it's not something that you, once you get it going, it just stays going. It's, it's not like that. It, it requires a precise amount of force and control to do that. And all of that precise force and control is coming from intricate, accurate amounts of, uh, of recruitment and engagement from, again, that rotator cuff and the musculature of the shoulder. Um, and, and so for people who, for people, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say for people who haven't like pulled it up on their phone or anything yet, like you said, it looks like a small wheel, but yeah. there's a handle inside of it. So yeah. your hand is inside the wheel. And then you're saying there's a ball that basically goes in the wheel yeah. that you're trying to, you have to make small circles with your arm in order to keep that wheel moving. Okay. Exactly. And, 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 you know, in other areas of, of sports injury or physical therapy or different things, um, it's comparable to what's called a, a perturbation. And that's kind of this erratic movement of the hand that can be done with, you know, a weight, band, body blade, et cetera, that, that really uh, recruits the shoulder well. This is, is like that, but in a, a more controlled, uh, rhythmic, smoother variation or, or approach and it's it, man it's just so unique and it's hard to put into words until you yeah. try it um but it really is amazing in, in how how well that it trains again going back to those nuts and bolts of the shoulder sure. so do you use yeah. it as a actual like training exercise or is it more on the prehab or warm-up side of things or do you kind of use it in both say it again do you, do you use it as like an actual training exercise, like in the middle of a workout, or do you use it more on like the prehab and warm up kind of side of things? How do you use it in your, in your, work? Uh, the, the, the latter, um, okay. I don't use, I don't use it in any, um, strength and conditioning, uh, fashion. Um, sure. I only use it for, um, uh, for my shoulder work, my warm up, uh, my archery specific stuff. Um, Ted does a lot of unique stuff with it that, um, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't like, you know, you have strength training for the shoulder and, and I, I, that fits into that category, but like strength training for, for the whole body. I don't know that I, I would put it in that category just because, sure. you know, strength requires load and it's not significant load for the body, but he does a lot of cool, um, balance work, core work, um, positional holds, you know, where someone will hold parallel on a squat and get this thing going with both hands, oh, wow. uh, kind of unique, uh, I, I guess, you know, kind of strength and conditioning when combined in the right way. But personally, sure. I specifically for my shoulders, a um, little bit of core variations, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's in my, um, daily shoulder work that I'll do before I, I do my main strength and conditioning piece or pieces. Right on. I've been wanting to ask you about it. So I'm glad I, I'm glad yeah. I saw them hanging on your wall. So I remember. Yeah. So, um, I want to get into a little bit more of your structure of, uh, or template of your training practice. So when you're talking about how you combine strength and conditioning with archery and stuff, do you, you, how do you implement or infuse archery into your programming when you're even, even either with yourself or with your clients, do you put archery practice as a part of a training session or is that something separate? Like how do you intertwine those two things together? Yeah. Um, I personally, it's completely separate for me. Um, okay. um, my, for my goals, my needs, uh, my sh shooting is not combined with anything else. Um, I think, you know, archery largely is a skill 
And um, I think for those, and you know, you might see it out there. I think for those that are doing um, doing hunts that are going to require that you shoot under fatigue or under distress, then I think that that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of use there and a lot of value there. But for me, um, currently I'm not doing any, doing any hunt like that or planning any hunt like that in the next year or so. So my, my archery focus is completely focused on, um, technique, good position, good mechanics and accuracy. Therefore, I don't want anything else watering it down. Um, how my typical, you know, you mentioned template uh, or let me back up my, my two, two main goals, I guess, three main goals right now, uh, for me is just to be a strong, fit, capable man. Mm-hmm. Simple as that, right? So that I can um, build a chicken coop this spring, or bale hay for the farmer across the road, or um, you know, put in put in a, a, a ditch to get electric out to my barn one day. You know, stuff like that. Just you know, and for my family and wife, of course, you know, kids one day. Um, mm-hmm. But first goal is to be a, just a strong, capable man. Um, second goal is to shoot a bow well. And third goal is to make sure that I don't have any issues arise um, in my shoulders that would prevent me from shooting a bow or shooting it well, uh, because I do shoot a lot. I love to shoot. Um, it's my passion. Hunting, bow hunting is my passion. So I never want that to be taken away from me. And that's a lot of my motivation with archery strongs to make sure that archery isn't taken away from anybody else. Um, but in those three things, um, each of those three goals is reflected each day in my training or most days. Um, so I said, I'll start with, um, uh, sh- shooting a bow. Well, you got to shoot a bow to shoot a bow. Well, right. So, yes. uh, I-, I shoot, I shoot a lot of days, not every day, but especially now winter's winter's been rough, uh, where I'm at here in central Pennsylvania. Um, so I shoot most days or, or a lot of days, um, each week, um, uh, and practice there. So that's a priority. Then, um, this, I normally do that first while I'm freshest as I shoot. And then second, I will do my shoulder specific, uh, work related or focused on archery. Um, so it's, you know, addressing the nuts and bolts of the shoulder, rotator cuff work, shoulder blade work, um, mobility, flexibility work, work with the axial. We were just talking about, um, testing protocols and progressions out for, for my clients and for other archers. So I have, a you know, normally, I don't know, 10 in 20 minutes where I'm doing uh, specific shoulder work. That's number two. And that is what allows me to have that shoulder health and longevity to make sure I can continue to shoot. And it also helps with my shooting, just being more solid and stable, uh, through my shoulder girdle. And then finally the big one, right. The, the first goal and, and, you know, one of the most important is just being a strong, capable man. Yeah. Um, I trained in a lot of different ways as I'm sure you probably have to Ross, and a lot of people listening. Um, you know, you go through different, different, uh, fads or, or goals or whatever it is. Um, I've trained strictly for CrossFit. I did the bodybuilding thing when I was a teenager. I did the powerlifting thing when I was a teenager, uh, did the Olympic weightlifting thing after CrossFit. Um, and now it's always kind of the same progression for most people, like starts with bodybuilding, then you move into CrossFit and then from CrossFit, you're like, Oh, weightlifting's dope. I'm going to do weightlifting for a little bit. And then we end up training with rocks in sandbags in a garage. I mean, that's it. It all ends up in the same place. (laughs) Yeah. So, so now it's, it's pretty much a combination of, of, uh, all of those things that, uh, I just mentioned with a flair of, um, you know, maybe some people call it like primal training, strongman training, yeah. 
holistic tra- I don't know. Uh, but like you said, stones carrying logs, doing weird stuff with heavy objects, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and I keep it really simple. I normally pick I normally pick one movement or two movements a day, uh, maybe three if I'm getting real wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I just uh, and I just hit it well and hit it hard. Um, that's just how I personally like to to do it. Um, so um, you know, uh, an example day uh, might be like, I can think back to one. It was a, a clean complex where I think mm-hmm. I did like a deadlift, a power clean, and then a hang power clean. And I did that for like, I did that uh, for like 30 complexes, like one complex on the minute for, I don't know, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, is an example. Or the other day uh, I did a, a log carry and then, um, and then a core, uh, a core exercise. And I carry the log, um, hit the core exercise, carry the log, do a different core exercise, carry the log, do a different core exercise. Uh, one day might be focused on, um, just a pull-up progression where I'm doing, um, six by six weighted pull-ups and then might throw in a higher volume, um, dumbbell or barbell row or something for a, for yeah. a pulling. Um, you know, very simple, very straightforward, um, uh, focused very much on, on, uh, compound movements, heavier movements, uh, moving well. That is my, back to those same basics. My, everybody, everybody that's, and this is one of those cool things that Anders and I was talking about. Like if you're, uh, a coach that's been in this world for a certain amount of time, it, it, everybody takes, like I like I just said, everybody kind of follows that same path mm-hmm. over a certain amount of time. And we all kind of realize the same things and we all come back around and it's always move heavy stuff, compound lifts, like it's basic yeah. body weight, high volume, and then like sleep. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's always much more yeah. simple than what most people are trying to make it, which is great to hear for some people and super, super annoying to hear for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, cause we, it's one of those, it's the strangest thing, but people want things to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would well, rather I, I, I think people think that it can't just be this. There's gotta be more. Exactly. Right? It can't be that. I just need to squat, lunge and deadlifts for deadlift for my legs. Like it's <laughs> right. gotta be, there's got to be a mix of a hundred exercises, right? And you have to do, you know, 50 of them each day, you know? And yeah, no. And, and, you know, I think, you know, it just, just got me turned, got my wheels turning. And, you know, I think, I think some of it can be attributed, unfortunately, to the effort to get ahead and innovate. Mm. And, and that's, that's largely fueled by uh, all the different ways we can put out information now because, um, you know, no longer is perfecting a pushup, um, enough. It's not right. That can't be it. That can't be, that can't be my, one of my top five pressing exercises. It's gotta be, yeah. you know, um, something, something else that's extreme, um, or, or, you know, add 10 layers to it. So, right. um, yeah, it's, there's, you know, like most things, I think there's a balance to respecting, honoring, and utilizing the, the basics uh, while also um, including when necessary some variation and some innovation. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And, and yeah, I think that that balance is really important. I, yeah, totally agree. We could, we could go coach nerd on everybody for a while, but I think we'll probably save that for just a me and you conversation. (laughs) Um, So I want to kind of get your input or recommendations. I want you, I want to think about this as someone who's coming to you brand spanking new. Okay. Into, into the archery world specifically. Uh, Are there, and and this is probably going to be another one of those, it depends answers, but I want to try and corner you down to give me a couple at least. Uh, Do you have one to two exercises or things that people should be looking at doing every day, regardless of where they are on the experience spectrum that are going to improve either their archery or just their shoulder health in general? Do you have like one or two things that you would recommend regardless of who's coming to you, but especially if it's a beginner? Sure. Absolutely. Number one would be, and it could be a variety of them because um, there are a variety of them, but would be a very good quality methodical band pull apart. Ah, yes. And that can look, (laughs) <laughs> that can look, you know, a dozen different ways. There's, there's a handful of variations I personally like to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overarching uh, point is that if you have a band in your hands and you squeeze your shoulder blades together down and back, like you're trying to pinch a pencil, put them in your back pockets, and you're pulling this band apart, you're getting good retraction of the shoulder blade, which is important to strengthen those shoulder blade muscles and the mm-hmm. mechanic pulling you're loading up part of the rotator cuff, particularly the external rotators, which is going to be on the back and the side of your shoulder, which is an important uh, group of muscles to load and strengthen. And then you're getting just some nice uh, stretching and opening of the chest, the pec minor, uh, et cetera, there in the internal rotator. So again, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but a band pull apart, awesome. Um, Second thing is a, is a really good high quality plank. Ah, nice. Um, now again, planks can look a hundred different ways, right? Uh, we're, we're looking for a plank that the individual can hold perfectly. So, you know, for some that might be a pretty inclined plank where the hands are on the edge of a couch or a bed or the edge of a desk. Um, others that might be down on the elbows or, or with extended, uh, extended elbows at the top of the push-up position, but a plank that has nice posterior pelvic tilt, cores engaged, glutes are engaged, streamlined torso and spine, neutral head, uh, and very important shoulders reaching slightly into the ground. Um, so you're almost spreading your upper back a little bit. So you have a little bit of protraction, uh, in those shoulder blades to, to make sure that they're solid and stable and not collapsing. The plank, it looks so simple, right? It looks like it can't possibly be doing that much. But we know um, from the research and the literature that to support that plank, there's there's so much going on. Uh, and particularly why I like it for the shoulder is that to hold, hold that shoulder joint solid, especially as you get into some longer, more challenging holds, um, that rotator cuff is really working hard to stabilize that shoulder joint. That shoulder blade is really working hard as long as you're in the right position to, to hold solid tight to the rib cage, provide a solid foundation for, um, that ball and socket joint that, that is the shoulder. Um, 
And both of those two, why, why another reason why I pick both of those for a beginner is again, as long as they're done right with the correct amount of resistance or difficulty, they are um, of, of relatively low risk, right? You take the band pull apart and I can, I can give, I can give somebody a pull apart with no band and just get them doing the mechanics first and get them sure. moving a light band, moderate band or a heavy band. And maybe we do holds in a full pull apart yeah. with a heavy a more challenging band for those that are um, maybe a little bit stronger. And then for the plank, <clears throat> I, I utilize a lot of different holds for my archers because number one, and this is why it's good for beginners, why I'm getting into this, a hold like a plank, number one is find the position and maintain it. Right. Uh, I've, when it comes to shoulder position or shoulder uh, work and, and whatnot, it's much easier for somebody who's newer or just anybody. It's much easier to find a position once and maintain it like a plank or a band pull apart hold than it is for somebody to repetitively execute a movement pattern perfectly. Um, right. uh, like, a, like a band pull apart, you know, that can be a little bit challenging to get that person to retract and to press their shoulder blades the same way every time. Um, so it, it's nice in that fashion that they just have to find a position to hold it. And it's also um, nice because I, or I also like holds because um, with less movement, there tends to be less risk of, of something going wrong um, or, or, or uh, less risk of, of it being overwhelming for that individual. Hey, get in this position and maintain it. We're not going through any crazy ranges of motion. Um, we're not asking anything crazy of them. It's just, hey, get there and hold. Awesome. Those are two good ones. And two that, like you said, probably would be under utilized, especially when it comes to the plank in most people or even just under <laughs> underappreciated or under thought of, you know, it's just one of those ones that's like pretty obvious, but uh, we seem to overlook them. So uh, no, two great answers. The kind of one of the last things I wanted to ask you, um, and I and I keep looking and back hanging up on your walls, and like mm -hmm. I'm I'm reminded of the things that I had on my paper here next to me. Uh, the difference in and you mentioned it in terms of your volume and how you've shot and how you felt, but the difference between uh, your compound versus your recurve or other, you know, if, if it's for somebody else, longbow or traditional bow, uh, sure. do you approach that? differently from a mechanical standpoint uh, in shooting and or in your training methods for it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, mechanics, you know, overall on a, on a uh, large level, the mechanics are relatively similar, similar. Uh, not the exact same, but they're similar. Um, now I'm not, I'm not an expert on, you know, the mechanics of the compound or the recurve. Um, I seek out, seek out information and, mm -hmm. and guidance there too. Um, what I focus on in those is the, the biomechanics and the, in the demands on sure. joint issue, et cetera. Um, now, what's the, the big difference between those is the load and, and how the load varies in those. With a recurve, you kind of have like a, for all intents and, intents and purposes, um, you kind of have like a linear, linear load or a progressive load. As I'm drawing that recurve, it's building, 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 building to its maximum poundage when I get to full draw. Right. And that that full draw position, that is the hard part of shooting that bow. So with that being said, that speaks largely 
to the demands and also what can go wrong in the body, right? Holding that full drop position, there's a lot of load on the posterior shoulder, a lot of load mm-hmm. in the back, a lot of load in that bow shoulder and um, that joints in the bow shoulder. <clears throat> so that does definitely inform what can go wrong, what types of, of injuries I'll see with that. Um, why pain might develop in those types of things. And ultimately, how can we train to best improve that? A simple example is for, for um, building strength there for, for something like a recurve, I'm going to be more focused on holding in full row, full draw, full pulling positions, whether it's in a full, um, full row, um, some sort of uh, for, full band of pay, uh, face pull, something like that, because yeah. that's where is going to be just a simple example. Now on the opposite side for the compound, it's almost, it's different. It's almost the opposite. You could say where the, the majority of the load is in, you know, it's, it kind of looks like if you look at the actual line, it kind of looks like an upside down U maybe, um, where the, the majority of that load comes on very quickly. As soon as you start to pull into that bow, you're going from zero to max poundage within those first few inches on most bows. Um, so that's a very different position where I'm reached across the body. I'm elongated through the back of the shoulder and I'm just starting to pull versus, okay, I'm pulling. I encounter that peak weight. I get over that hump and then I get in a full draw into my Valley where the, the bow lets off, right? The, right. The, cam, the whole purpose behind a compound is that cam decreases or dumps off most of the loads. So you're only holding 10, 20, 30% of that max draw weight. So that full draw position is not the most demanding part of the draw. It's it's the opposite uh, from the recurve. That's a position where you can be relatively uh, just uh, relaxed, you know, obviously solid and maintaining position, but there is a little bit more uh, relaxation there because there's less load there. So that again informs uh, where we might see injuries, why pain might develop, where it might develop, what that shoulder needs to do, how we might train for that to prevent or to fix issues. Um, so, you know, the big differences in the bow itself speaks to, you know, how it's going to work, how it's going to affect me, et cetera. I find that, um, <clears throat> I find that personally, I like the way, uh, the, the, the general way, um, or I should say general mechanics recommended towards shooting something like a recurve or a traditional bow, they tend to be a little bit more shoulder friendly. And so does the load as long as you're Mm. for it. Um, I like that linear load where I'm not encountering so much load in this, um, position where I'm reached across the body, sometimes elbow up high. Uh, whereas I'm getting to that load as I, I'm coming back and I'm in a fully retracted open position. Um, it, to me, I like that a little bit better. Um, it, you don't, you, you also don't see quite as much of, of the excessively high elbow, uh, which can be a problem for some people, not all um, sure. in, in compounds um, work. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm one that also looks to, to, uh, the information from different coaches and in, in different places to, um, to see what, what some thoughts are there, but, uh, they're both fun to shoot, um, both great tools mm-hmm. and both serve different purposes. So, and I think, and, and the reason I, I wanted to ask that question was just so that everybody listening had the concept that they are 
you know, while they are the same, they are different. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're thinking about what kind of things you need to include or change when it comes to your training, if you're not working with Christian, uh, like those <laughs> things, those things matter. Like you've got to be able to make those adjustments depending on if you're someone who solely shoots traditional bows, like you're going to have to focus on different aspects of your training versus someone who strictly shoots compound bows. And that's, you know, that was kind of why I was wanting to ask you that. Cause there is that difference, even though, you know, they're both bows, they both shoot arrows. They both look the same when you pull them back. Right. But I mean, there are differences like you mentioned. So, um, exactly. no, that was, that was perfect. That was super helpful. Um, awesome, man. Well, that's, I mean, we're rolling up here on, on our time. So I just wanted to Thank you again for coming on. It was yep. great to to have you on and tons of great information from you. So thank you for sharing all that and uh, give everybody a little bit of info where you are and what you're what you're working on right now. Kind of what's coming up for you. What can you What are you excited about in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me at uh, primarily on Instagram right now is where I put out a lot of content and hope to be doing more on. Uh, things like YouTube in the future, but on Instagram, I'm at archery.strong uh, is the handle. That's archery.strong. Uh, website is uh, archery-strong. So there's, it's archery, then there's a dash strong.com. You can contact me through there. Um, you can contact me on Instagram. If you just have any questions, I love just hearing from people, talking with people. Um, you know, so there's no strings attached. If you're just curious about how things work or what we do or how we do it or why we do it. Um, please reach out. I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, soon the, the next project, the next big thing, kind of uh, what um, speaks to what you, you and I were talking about Ross before this podcast is uh, one thing to look out for is for people who uh, may not want to get into, you know, full one-on-one -on -one training that I do or a full uh, program that I might do. Um, I'm going to be putting out um, some weekly stuff. It's like a, will be like a weekly subscription that you can follow along, trying to make awesome. it affordable and accessible uh, to people that again, might not want to do the, the whole full deal, um, but are interested in, in preserving their shoulders, strengthening their shoulders uh, and getting a little bit archery specific. So um, that's something to look out for. I'm, I'm excited for that's coming up. Awesome. And his Instagram is killer. It's, I mean, one of my favorite ones to follow because it's got so much and the way that he presents information is great and very uh, digestible for someone who is so new to it like I am. So uh, it's been awesome, man. Thank you for coming on and I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future. Right. Awesome, man. Thank you very much, Ross. I appreciate it. All right. Hope you guys got something out of that. It was a super fun conversation for me to have. Learned a lot of great stuff uh, talking to him during that pod and then also the times that we were talking outside of the recording. So continue to follow him. He's doing a lot of awesome stuff. Again, if you haven't yet, go please rate, review, subscribe to the show. You can follow me at Coach Ross Hillier on Instagram and we will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.